What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Call Us Recruits. Like always, I'm your host, Adam. Join along here with Liam. We're missing BMAC again today, but we brought along a special guest. Willie, why don't you introduce him for us? Yeah, definitely. Uh, ranging in from Manitek, Ontario. Uh, I have one of the biggest degenerates I know. You might see him on uh, playing baseball, or you might see him at Ottawa University doing math. We don't know what the fuck he does in his spare time. Um, my buddy, Trevor Bollier. Trev, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me along here. <laughs> Ready to go fired up. <laughs> excited to have you on. And uh, BMAC, if you're listening to this, uh, we miss you. We'll have, uh, I know there's a lot of BMAC fans out there. So we'll have him on uh, the next, next episode. He's having a little bit of, he's at a family function right now. So I'll do my best to be the best BMAC. <laughs> all right. Today, so we got a couple of few parts. I won't be joining all of us. I got called into work on a Saturday. So uh, that was a tough soak. But today, we're just going to talk about some news and notes. When we get into the top NFL free agents, we're going to go a bit into an offensive scripting for the first 15 plays in the game. We'll talk about some breakout, breakout players, and we'll get into draft talk as well. So without further ado, uh, we'll start with some news and notes. So the Kyle Palmer trade was probably the biggest one in the recent days. The New Jersey Devils traded Kyle Palmer, Travis Zaychek, and retained 50% salary to the Islanders and got a 2021 first-round pick at 2022 fourth. AJ Greer and Mason Jones are two prospects I'm not too familiar with. So, Willie, why don't you take it away? You're probably more familiar with these prospects than I am. What are your initial thoughts of this trade for both teams? Yeah, I, I like the trade for both teams involved. Um, Kyle Palmieri is a guy who, well, one of the more interesting things is he shaved his beard. You guys see that? Yeah. <laughs> Lou, Lou got his beard shaved. Did the same thing to Thomas Plukanic when he got traded the lease. Jesus <laughs> Christ. But, um, I liked it. Travis Zajac was a guy when we were talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs who I think that they should acquire. Um, he's an upcoming UFA. Um, I, apparently, the deal wasn't going to get done. Uh, apparently, the Islanders were going to go for Hall, but rather, at last minute, the Devils threw in Travis Zajac um, into the deal. So, so that kind of sweetened the pot for them. It makes sense. You kind of saw it last year where you don't necessarily see, you know, the huge names get traded for first-round picks. Nowadays, you're seeing kind of, you know, smaller names and uh, like uh, last year was Barkley, Goodjo, Blake Coleman. Now it's, you know, um, Paul Mary. I like the trade. Uh, I think the Islanders had need at the second line because Anders Lee was out and they had need at the third line. So I think this solves both their issues. Um, overall, I like for both teams. What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. They're both two experienced guys, Zadrak and uh, Paul Mary. Paul Mary scored 25 goals last year, 45 points in a shortened season. I don't know. I think I think going up against Boston, Washington, and Pittsburgh in the playoffs, those are the kind of guys you need, experienced guys who can lay the ball, put the puck in the net, and that's their best bet if they need to uh, – if they're going to go against a team like probably Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They need they need experience on their team. Lou Lamorello knows what he's getting in these guys being with the Islanders. I, I love it for the, for, the, uh, for the Devils. I think I think it's perfect for them. They didn't want this year to be a waste, losing Andrews Lee, so – it was definitely a good pickup for them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I like the trade for both teams. I think the Islanders just got even more boring playing hockey, but they're still going to be good. They're going to be playing a boring <laughs> style of hockey still with Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak, but it just makes that style better for the playoffs. I don't know how Lou Lemereau gets this. He gets people like Leo Komarov, Matt Martin, who are fourth liners in the lease and who contribute on the Islanders. I don't get how the Islanders are good. They play sound hockey, but I guess they're one of the best teams in the league. My initial takeaways are this is great for the buyer's market of the NHL. They didn't have to give up a whole lot. They gave up a first-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft, 
But with the OHL and CHL being on pause this year, the oh, the draft isn't as valuable as past because you don't get to evaluate those prospects. They don't they miss a year of de- development. So as a position for the Leafs fan, I think this is great for the buyer market come Monday for the trade deadline. If they want to go in and get a couple forwards, they just put Freddie Anderson LTIR, so they have more cap space. So I think that's great. They won't have to give as much. I'd rather give up a 2021 first round pick in a trade than a than a top prospect. So that's my initial thoughts. Great trade for both teams, but also great for the buyer market, I think, as well. So we're gonna move into the MLB season. The MLB season, MLB season's back. I'm a big baseball fan, so I'm pretty fired up about this. A big Jays fan started off hot. They're in a bit of slump right now. They, they can't hit the ball, which is very frustrating watching. So, Willie Trev, what are your initial thoughts on the MLB season coming back for another season? No, me as well. I'm a big Jays fan. Haven't watched too much baseball besides the Jays this year. Their hitting has been very frustrating. I have loved what I've seen from Vladimir Guerrero, though. Oh, yeah. He's been – everyone's doubting him just because – He's still 21 years old, 21 or 22 years old. He's hitting the ball hard. He's seeing the ball a lot better, which is exactly what he did in the minors, which is what made him the number one prospect in baseball. I love that. They definitely, they're definitely missing Springer right now yeah. with, uh, with Telez. Uh, I believe Telez is 0 for 16, 0 for 17. Yeah. It's been a tough year for Telez, but guys like Randall Gritchick have definitely stepped up. They're, they're pitchers. They've got, uh, they've got lots of pitchers. They don't have great pitchers, but they've got, They've got potential. I know uh, uh, Pete Walker, he, he was the guy who wanted Steven Matz, and Steven Matz's first start was very good. And uh, Pete Walker's a great uh, pitching coach. So, I don't know. He liked what he saw from Steven Matz, and hopefully he's a guy who can help out their pitching staff, and I'm sure their hitting will definitely come along throughout oh, yeah. the year. They're, they were supposed to be a top – everyone had them as a top-five team hitting-wise, run scored. Last year they were top-five runs scored. I'm hoping they're good. They're still a young team, but – they definitely need to uh, turn it around, and hopefully Springer can can come back sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm going to put both you lads on the spot here. Uh, give me a team where you wouldn't be surprised if they they go for a deep playoff run. Right now, they're they're kind of underrated. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be surprised. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm I don't think they're underrated. But I'm going to the Atlanta Braves. I love the style of baseball they play. They have one of the best baseball best players in the world, in Ronald Lacuna. They're going to get uh, Mike Sirocco back, who's a Canadian pitcher, just coming off a tour in ACL. Max Fried's another dynamic pitcher. They have um, a solid bullpen. They play well, good baseball. Freddie Freeman's a dynamic player. Travis Snow can hit the ball. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. I love Alex Anthopoulos. I loved him as a Jays. He's done a great job, again, in the Braves position. I mean, they're probably not the most underrated team, but I, I think they can make a deep run. Yeah, no, for sure. I was gonna, I was gonna go to the Braves myself, but uh, I guess I'll go. I'll, I guess I'll go to the Angels. They've. I was a huge. Uh, Ota- you think? I was a huge Otani doubter, but uh, I don't. I hope so, man, because they're, they're fucking. They're wasting a lot of talent on yeah. that roster. Like they've been trying to figure it out. Yeah. For a couple well, years watching now. Otani play the Jays this series, he's been lighting up the Jays. Their, their pitching still isn't great. It's been a weakness for years, but Trout playing better than ever again. They have one of the best third basemen, if not the best third baseman in the league, Rendon. They're full of star power. Otani, if he can go into that rotation, and even if they go a six-man rotation and Otani's pitching once a week, I don't know. He was, he was pretty hyped, and he, look, he looks the part this year, definitely. So I think they can definitely make a push. David Fletcher, great leadoff guy, super underrated. I like their team. They've got some experience, not, not much playoff experience, but I do like their team, and they're showing off against the Jays right now, so. Interesting. I'll uh, I'll keep my eye on both those guys, on both those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope it's the Jays, but you know, 
Like, I want to go on that Vladdy talk a bit. I think the biggest difference with Vladdy is just he's so patient at the plate. He's not trying to force it. He's People are trying to put pressure on him. He's a big home run hitter after that der- home run derby two years ago where he went off and had like 50 home runs or whatever it was. He's being patient. He's letting pitches come to him. He's taking his walks, and he's driving the ball to the opposite field. I think that's a great sign as an MLB hitter is when you take pitches to the opposite field for singles and doubles. And his first home run of the year was a fastball way that he took outside. Uh, so we're going to move on. I just want to give a quick shout out to Corey Connors. The Canadian is T4 right now in the Masters going to round four. Got a hole in one today. You guys are stud. Best ball, one of the best ball strikers in golf. So give a quick shout out to him. Hopefully he can bring it home to Canada and bring the magic back that Mike Weir brought in 2002, I believe. So before we go into our main discussion, which is a quickly recap, the NCAA tournament, the Baylor Bales put on a clinic against Gonzaga. The Baylor Bears are the best guard play in the country. They dominated an entire week two weeks of March Madness. So any, any thoughts on this or do you guys want to move on to our main discussion? No, I, I definitely didn't expect that. Baylor came out firing for sure. I thought Drew Timmy was going to be, I thought he was going to have a field day uh, last yeah. Monday it was, but uh, they definitely limited him. Jalen Suggs only really, he only really showed up in the second half. It was, it was tough to watch as a Gonzaga fan. It was definitely tough to watch Baylor. Baylor hit their shots. Gonzaga didn't. It was simple, but. Well, one person I love to, uh, I, I agree. I agree with everything you guys say. I, I actually, I, I didn't watch the month of base NCAA guy, but I did catch one of the games. And one person that we haven't given a shout out to is, um, you guys know her name. Uh, the women basketball. Paige Beckers is a stud. <laughs> she, <laughs> She's going to be a problem. <laughs> man. She's a, yeah, I, I watched her play. She can ball, man. She's like, a baller, man. I, I, I honestly, like, I would be interested to see her go with it. Like if she were to go against some like NBA players, I bet she can hold her own. She, she, she's, a, she's something. Yeah, she's a freshman. She, like, women's players in the NCAA, they play four years, so I don't even want to think how good she's going to be as a senior. Like, when she takes the WNBA, once she's in that position, I'm not sure if they go early in WNBA I don't, and the NCAA women's, I don't follow as much, but if she's a senior, she's going to be dominant. I just can't wait to see, see when she gets to the professional level. She's dominant. A cool fact, her and Jalen Jalen Suggs are best friends. So those are the two, probably the best players, and one of the best college college players and college basketball this season. So kind of cool shout out there. Uh, but yeah, Paige Beckers is a baller. She's fun to watch. I watched um, actually a lot of the UConn games, the tournament. So it was a treat to watch. It's also Canadian on that team as well. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so that's uh, basically wraps up the news and notes today. We're going to get into the top remaining NFL free agents. Um, so really, why don't you take us away with your uh, top free agents? Yeah, definitely. So, so we, we kind of saw it. Well, one of the more interesting things is we saw, um, I want to say two years ago in MLB, where we started to see kind of um, free agents not sign immediately and start to kind of wait wait a little bit. And now we're starting to see this not extreme amount of the NFL, but but you started to see a, a couple of really good players not signed yet. So I just want to have a conversation about some players currently remaining. So some of my favorite top remaining free agents include KJ Wright. Uh, I want to have a little conversation about KJ Wright. We'll get this real quick. He's one of my favorite linebackers. You saw uh, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did this past season with uh, the two stud linebackers in Davis and White. And I think KJ Wright's phenomenal in coverage. And I think whenever team picks him up, it's going to be lucky, lucky organization. Yeah, no, for sure. I have, I'm not, uh, I haven't followed KJ Wright too much, but uh, he's definitely a big part of that Seahawks defense. And I don't know. He's uh I believe he's getting up there in age. I think he might sign with uh, – I think he's going to be looking for a team that's ready to win now that could use him as a linebacker. And 
I, th- I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to a team like the Ravens, like an up and coming team. I was just thinking the rent. If you put him on that Ravens squad, like I don't know, <laughs> that'd be pretty disgusting there. Jesus <laughs> with Patrick Queen, and then uh, you, you you know they're locking a little bit up front in their defensive line. However, their their secondary is not horrible, so I'd, I'd love to see him on the Ravens as well, and that'd be sick. Oh, boy, is who's your uh, who's your number one uh, free agent? Where if you're a general manager, you're like, I, I want this kid. Yeah, that's a bit off the board. We got Malik Tucker. I'm a big Malik Tucker fan. Malik Tucker's a dynamic safety. He's had an injury riddled season uh, career actually, but, but when he's healthy, he's very very talented. Very good in space and close. He's a good tackler. He's also a very good ball hawk. It's going to suck. I hope the Colts can retain him. Uh, that's a big piece of defense when healthy, but he's an underrated guy I like. Another guy I'm going to say, I'm going to go I'm going to go Bashad Breland out of the Kansas City. I think he's a very good corner, one healthy. He can he can be a shutdown corner, number two guy. He's not going to be that lockdown number one guy, but he's a, he's a very solid two corner that a team will be lucky to have. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I like those picks. Malik Hooker, top draft pick. Uh, injuries kind of slowed him down. I think he's the type of player where in like two or three years where, you know, he kind of pops and you're he's a top 10 player in that uh, for his position. You're kind of like, well, you know, why didn't I sign him? Why didn't my favorite team sign him? I, I like that a lot. Trev, what are some of your guys where you're like, you know, you, you sign right now? Yeah, no, uh, I definitely agree with Malik Hooker. I wanted Malik Hooker on the Cowboys. I'm a big Cowboys fan. I was very happy when they got uh, Keanu Neal. Cowboys for Super Bowl 2022. But uh, one of the guys I like is uh, Jason Peters. I think he's getting up there in age. Injuries have slowed down lately, but uh, he's showed he's one of the best tackles in the league when he's healthy. And uh, because he's, I believe he's 38 years old, he's uh, he's going to be looking for a team that's ready to win. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs with a team like even Kansas City, a team that just lost both their starting tackles, and he's trying to win a he's trying to win a Super Bowl. And another guy that I uh, that I actually really like is Devontae Freeman. He showed he showed he still got some in the tank last year with uh, with the Giants when Barkley went down. He's uh, still not very old. He's 28. So he could definitely revive his career in the right system with the right team. And uh, I think he could definitely be like a, a 1A, 1B somewhere and show off and really have a career reviving year. But I don't know. It could be interesting to see where he goes, whether he signs as a backup or he signs somewhere and he's the starter from day one. Hey, what are the two guys you like? Two guys I like. Um, well, Casey Hayward is available. He just got cut by the Chargers, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, he did. And he, he, he's, he's been one of my favorite cornerbacks in the NFL. I don't really know why they cut him. I think it was for salary cap reasons. He's a guy who I think, you know, I, personally, when I'm developing an organization, um, and if I'm a general manager, I can never have enough good cornerbacks that can play. I think he's a guy that you can bring in maybe on, on, on a $10 million deal that can play top minutes, can play against a number one team. Um, or sorry, n- number one wide receiver. Uh, another guy I well I really like is well obviously I think we all really like him is, is Mitchell Schwartz. He, had, he hasn't signed yet. Really? Mitchell Schwartz hasn't signed yet. Probably the best right tackle up there, the best right tackle. Oh yeah, one of, yeah, one of the best for sure. So and, and you know if, if you're a team, for example, if you're the Panthers, right? I know they need left tackle, um, but if you're if you pick up Mitchell Schwartz. And you're able to do something uh, interesting with, you know, if you get met Micah Parsons with that number eight overall pick, kind of move along that line. I, I think that's – or the Jaguars who could pick him up. You know, they, they have a lot of cap room. Um, I'll, I'll just run through um, some of the top cap room teams in NFL. So the Jaguars currently have 29 mil. The Broncos currently have 23, Jets with 15, Bengals with 16, 
Colts with 20 and Lions with 16. So, you know, teams are being very conservative with this flat cap. So a lot of these, a lot of these uh, free agents, such as, you know, Justin uh, Houston, Russell Okung, might sign uh, Melvin Ingram's another guy who's on the market. There's a yeah, lot of talent. For sure. No, I, I like the uh, I like Mitchell Schwartz to the Panthers too, especially with Sam Darnold going there. I think that guy definitely needs an offensive line. He needs something around him. He wasn't drafted as number three overall, or I think he was three overall for for nothing. Like, give the guy a chance. He's got the receivers now. He's got Robbie Anderson. They did lose Curtis Samuel. He's got uh, Anderson, DJ Moore. DJ Moore, that's the guy I was looking for. So he's got he's got some weapons, definitely. He's got Christian, Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey out of the backfield. The best, undoubtedly the best. Joe Brady. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I think it's interesting. I think they, I think the Panthers definitely need an offensive line, bolster that offensive line, give Sam Darnold some protection, give him time, and see if the guy's still got something in the tank. Well, not still got something in the tank, but he's still a young kid. Hasn't proven himself very much, but uh, I think it's a great chance for Sam Darnold for sure, and Mitchell Schwartz would be a great uh, – pick up for that team yeah I, I totally agree with that someone that's not signed i'd hope gets signed is alex smith alex smith is a journeyman qb how can you not root for him almost broke his leg almost died uh, he did break his leg almost died on the field and came back and led the football team to the playoffs uh, didn't get to start in that game unfortunately but hopefully he gets signed i think he's someone that can come in for example the 49ers if they let jimmy g go signing alex smith to help lead like a trey lance they take him so i hopefully get signed i love alex smith uh, so hopefully he can get signed, get him a playoff team, and make a push before before his career is over. Yeah, for sure. Another guy I'm looking at is uh, Jordan Reed. He's getting up there in age. I, I don't think he's very Shut old. Shut up! No one fucking no. watched no, Jordan. Shut, Reed. Shut up, Willie. I think this guy showed he's got the talent. He's the most injury prone. Talent to get concussions. Yeah, now. yeah. He's the most injury prone player I've ever seen. But if he's healthy, if I'm a team like the Bengals, if I don't want to go. With, uh, what's his name, the tight end out of Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. That guy's a beast. If I don't want to go him and I want to take, say, an offensive lineman like Penny Sewell or I want to t- or uh, Joe Burrow wants Jamar Chase, I'm interested in taking uh, Jordan Reed. He says he's not going to cost too much. And I don't know if it's another weapon for Joe Burrow. I would love to, I'd love to see that. When he plays, he's so talented. He just can't stay on the field. <laughs> exactly. It's stunning. It's like, yeah. He, he's stunning to watch. He's always injured. It's like um, the, uh, Deshaun Jackson. I, I remember last year, everyone was like, oh, Deshaun Jackson's back in fantasy football. And then the same game he's back, he gets injured. It's just, it's just constant injuries with some of these players. Clowney oh, yeah. still has has he? Fuck Clowney. Clowney sucks. Okay. Well, <laughs> end of talk. End of well, talk. Well, no. Like, like, That's a strat. I don't think he sucks. He's just not a first overall worthy pick. He's still, he, can still, he can still play football. Well, I'm definitely curious to see because in the NFL, it's it's a rollover salary cap. So in the NFL, essentially, um, if you have 20 mil this year, it kind of rolls over to the next year. So I, I think that you're not going to see too much of a market for a player like Jadavian Clowney where teams aren't going to want to sign to a 10 mil because with the flat cap, they're not going to have too much money next year. Um, and that, that that's something question I kind of want to poke your guys' brains about. Um, so this past season, we saw Derek Sapon, uh, the Ottawa Senators traded his second round pick for him. And the consensus was, let's bring in a guy who's really experienced in the center, and he can kind of teach some of the young guys like Josh Norris, and, uh, you know, he can teach Kachuk and Stutzel. And so the, the importance of leadership, when you, if you're a general manager and you're looking at the top remaining free agents, and you're considering this rollover effect that's going to happen to your salary cap, how important is bringing in uh, a veteran leadership? For example, 
a Richard Sherman into your locker room? Very important. I think it's great to bring a veteran leader who can play still football, be a leader on your team, teach the young guys kind of the way, way the NFL works. I think a great example of this is Fitzmagic, what he did with the Dolphins. Brian Flores brought Fitzmagic in to be that leader, to be able to win games and be able to mentor to a Tagovailoa. So I think that's a great example, exactly what they do with the Washington football team. They're bringing Fitzmagic in to win games, but give another veteran leadership to a young defense. So he's going to go out there, be smart, win them football games. I think it's great to have veteran leadership in your locker room, keeps the moral high, and gives experience to people that have been in the playoffs if you get there down the road. Yeah, no, 100%. I completely agree with uh, that Fitzpatrick thing. I loved the way Flores used him. With Tua. Tua didn't have the greatest year, but even bringing Fitzpatrick in, I know they did it on a, uh, on a couple occasions. They brought Fitzpatrick in the fourth quarter and he won the game. I think it's very important. Richard Sherman, I, as a Cowboys fan, I'd love to have him on our team. We've got a young secondary, and uh, I think he's definitely the type of guy that can make make an impact, whether it's in the locker room, on the field, the Cowboys have a young, uh, young secondary. I heard some talk about uh, him to the Cowboys, but I doubt it. But uh, even if they draft, I want the Cowboys to draft uh, Patrick Sutain or uh, J.C. Horn. But even if they draft one of those guys, I'd love to have uh, a guy like Richard Sherman on the team to mentor those guys, to show the guys the ropes. Because the Cowboys, they've got uh, Trayvon Diggs, and that's about it right now at uh, corner. Yeah, there's secondaries. There's secondaries looking a little bit rough, but. You know, I'm sure they'll, they'll figure it out. Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal. He might play linebacker, but uh, Keanu Neal. Just uh, I, I know you said it pretty quickly, but, you know, talking about Tua's horrible season last year, I don't know. I'm hearing some buzz that Mac Jones is better than Tua Tagovailoa. No. You, already, you already heard what I did last week. You don't oh. want to get me going again. <laughs> I, I looked at the stats. I've looked at the stats. They played – they both played Bama. And Mac Jones – I don't know. The stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. He was, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I, I got to work with it. I can't get into this. <laughs> stats don't lie. Mac Jones. All right. Do yeah. we oh, talk no. about it for one second? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the stats out. I'm just curious. I'm pretty. This is uh, this is something that Boyez is not, doesn't get passionate about. Too many things. But listen, he doesn't. And I don't like Tua slander. Boyez doesn't. Like, <laughs> 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 what? So, okay, so when we look at um, Tua's stats, so Tua played played in, let's see, that's 34 um, games, started 27, had 87 touchdowns, 11 picks, QB rating the college level of 200 with a national championship. Mac Jones in, I gotta look at his career stats, played in 25 games and had 56 touchdowns and 7 picks. So, I mean, he didn't have the big sample size, but when you look, Mac Jones put an entire full year in 2020. Tua put an entire full year in 2018, and they split 29 to and two went down. The thing that I have about Mac Jones is he doesn't do anything special. I know Tua doesn't have the physical traits, but Tua is a very accurate and timely passer, and he can also mo- be mobile. But yeah, I mean, Mac Jones, I, I don't see it. Tua's been in the spotlight since he was a freshman. Mac Jones just jumped into last year with those weapons. So that's my, that's my take, but you know, he really does my stance on it. No, no, that's fair. I'm very curious to see where Mac Jones goes. Where do you guys think? Do you guys think San Fran's a real, like a real possibility or is that just, you know, I know that we're looking at uh, Justin Fields now, but sending Kyle Shanahan and uh, John Lynch to uh, Alabama's pro day to watch Mac Jones, definitely something. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think that John Lynch is that stupid. 
Well, like one, one of my biggest things is like, okay, so Mac Jones was probably going to be available at 12. That, that, that's just a fact. Like that's, that's an actual fact. So why would he trade at what two, three first round picks is I don't think if you look at it from a strategic standpoint, as an organization, as a general manager, I, just, I don't think it makes sense from that standpoint. No, I see what you're saying, but, uh, but Mac Jones, that, that might be Kyle Shanahan's guy. Kyle Shanahan's made made the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, but he didn't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, he went he went to the Super Bowl with uh Matt, Matt Ryan. I love Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's awesome. But that's the same kind of player as Matt Jones. Not a very mobile guy. I don't know. Kyle Shanahan. I've never doubted the guy, and he's always he's always proved he's got something in the tank, and he's can draw something up. And he's a very run first guy. I think Matt Jones might be that guy. Justin Fields. I, I love Justin Fields. I think he's got the great talent, but uh, I don't know. Mac Jones fits Kyle Shanahan's scheme a little more than Justin Fields. I doubt I doubt seeing uh, Mac Jones go number three, but trading up to number three guarantees them a quarterback. I could see Mac Jones going before 12 if they didn't trade up just because of the fact that the top top four picks might be quarterbacks. So some team might jump, jump in front of them and take Mac Jones off their hands like the Patriots. I think the thing I'm thinking, I think Bill William went, mentioned this a while ago, is Kyle Shanahan's made two Super Bowls with the Falcons as an OC and the San Francisco 49 as a head coach. And when you look at the Falcons, Matt Ryan took a sack in the fourth quarter, which caused him to punt the ball because he couldn't get outside the pocket. When you look in the game against the Chiefs, the Chiefs won that game because Patrick Mahomes got outside the pocket and made an absurd play to Tyree Kill. So two times, ha- having not a mobile quarterback, bit Shanahan in the ass. And then when he, when he was playing a mobile quarterback and got outside the pocket, also bit in the ass. So it shows that if he had a mobile quarterback like Matt Ryan was mobile, they could have won that Super Bowl. And so I, I think it just shows that he wants a mobile quarterback that can make plays out of nothing. And I think Mac Jones is going to be that same Achilles heel that Matt Ryan was in that in that Super Bowl. Yeah, it's funny that you said that story because I was I was just about to say the <laughs> thing. It's funny you, you're reading my mind. Uh, yeah. What, what, what we're gonna hey hey we're gonna have to wait and see. We have to wait three weeks, three four weeks, three four weeks. Ah, uh, I think twenty one days. <laughs> three weeks, three weeks. April, isn't it April twenty ninth? April twenty ninth. Yeah. Like nineteen days, days, I know that. Days, math, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Hey hey, yeah. Trevor Bully is a math mathematician at Ottawa University. Um, you might see him doing your math one day. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, do you want to enter our, to our next conversation? Yeah, so um, basically we're going to talk about kind of like the analytics behind, not really the analytics, how we would script the first 15 plays of a football game. So I can start. When I'm like scripting an offense, I think the main part for me is pound the rock, establish the run. I think that's a big thing. you got to establish the run as an offense. you got to keep the defense honest. The next thing is easy, easy throws to get your quarterback going. So, I mean, drag routes, slant routes, screen routes. So, these plays get your quarterback confidence, get him in the rhythm of the game. And then the other thing is, by establishing and pounding the rock, you keep safeties honest. You get them biting at the line of scrimmage, and then you develop the play-action pass. Play-action pass is the most impactful play in football, in my opinion. You can create big plays, keep the safeties honest. So, by establishing the run early in the game, getting your quarterback going by throwing easy throws, and then you can take those shots with play-action. Those are my three main parts for scripting the game, first and 15 plays. I want to Run the, run the ball probably five to 15 times, get five to 10 slant routes, and then take three to four shots before before you get into the depth of the game. Interesting. Yeah. So 
I'll, 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 I'll talk about uh, what you just said in a second. But so Bill Walsh actually invented, well, not, not invented, but he popularized uh, scripting the first 15 plays of the game. Uh, he's the head coach that developed the West Coast offense. Uh, he coached from 1968 to 1975 onto the legendary Paul Brown uh, in Cincinnati. Actually, funny story. So uh, Bill Walsh was such a good head coach. I'm sorry, such a good coach that Paul Brown actually slandered his name to other organizations around the NFL, um, saying that, you know, Bill Walsh doesn't work hard. He's not, he's not a good coach because uh, he didn't want to leave the Cincinnati Bengals. Eventually, he became a head coach of the San Francisco 49ers in 1979 until 1988. And he was a quarterbacks, Joe Montana, Vince Young. And he, he started, that's what he would do. Uh, first, well, he did first 25 plays in the game. And what it allowed to do is, you know, they had this, these, uh, these plays scripted and they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go off no matter what they, they, they knew the plays. It didn't matter if they went for uh, three and out the first, uh, first series. What this allowed to do is the QB got input into what the first 25 plays should be. Um, the wide receivers got input and everyone heading to the game knew the game plan. So like my, my question to you guys is if you were a coach in the NFL, would you script your first 15 games? Like, would, would this be part of your game plan? Personally, I'm, I'm not big on the idea of scripting plays. I played high school, court, uh, high school football. I didn't I, – like, it's, I find it's more of a high school thing. Personally, I believe in playing into your strengths and playing into, like, what you see from the defense. Like, obviously, I can see the benefits by practicing the plays, perfecting the plays. That, like, but uh, I'm a big believer that a quarterback – that can read the defense, that can make good audibles is the most crucial aspect to any offense. QB who can read a defense at the elite up at an elite level, that's the most that's the biggest thing from a quarterback you can ask for. And I also don't believe scripting plays because of the game script itself. Who knows how you're gonna start the game? Who knows how these plays are gonna work? Like third and one is big you could be in a third and one situation you could be in a third and ten situation i don't believe the play should be scripted it should be based off of the game script and what the game the game is saying live but uh i definitely agree with boys when he says uh pound pound the ball at the start establish the run i witnessed that the cowboys definitely got away from that a lot last year as you saw from zeke's poor year but uh i don't know I, I'm not a big believer in it, but I know some people are, and I can see why, but I still think audibles are the most important thing, being able to read the defense, see what the defense is looking like, and find their weakness. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Like, I'm with Trevor. I don't think scripting, having 15 set plays, we're running these plays no matter what, are the way to do it. Uh, like, like Trevor said, if, if your defense goes up in cover two, cover three, they're showing zero pressure, a play call is going to be different. You're not going to run the same play call because different play calls are successful against different defenses. So like you said, audibles are so crucial. If you have a quarterback to decipher what coverage is, where the pressure is coming from, an audible line of scrimmage to get the best play in that situation, I think that's crucial. And yeah, so I'm not a favor of scripting play. I think it's important to have aspects you want to do. You want to run the ball a certain amount of times, but not necessarily run that specific run. Yeah, I, I, I that's definitely... a Difficult point to argue after Tom Brady, arguably the smartest player in the NFL, just won his, what, seventh Super Bowl? So I, oh, yeah. I think you're 100% correct in that philosophy. Of, you know, that, that's extremely important. Um, 
I, one thing I do like about it is, is it gives the QB and it gives the players input, and, and the team knows the game plan heading into the game. Now, I, I like kind of a hybrid of okay, here's our, our first 15 plays. However, you can audible out of these out of these plays, which I think could be a, a different factor. Um, but another question I, I want to poke your brain about is: so you're a head coach and you go into a divisional game and you have a game plan. So this is the game plan is, you know, we're, we're going to pound the rock no matter what. And we're going to, you know, play a base uh, t- Tampa two on defense, uh, but it's not working. You head into the fir- uh, first quarter, you're down by 14, head into the uh, second quarter, you're down by 21. At what point do you switch your game plan or at what point do you, or what, or do you continue to stick to your original game plan? Because some coaches get praised for their mid game adjustments or you'll see a coach like Bill Belichick who will stick to his game plan through the entire game and it'll end up working at the end of the day. At what point would you change your game plan? I think it's just depending how the games go. And if your game plan is not working, the defense wasn't in the, the coverage, I mean, the, the package you think they're going to be in, that's when you got to make key adjustments. If your quarterback's not having a good game or he can't make certain throws, you got to adjust mid game. I think, a lot of people do abandon their run. When you go down 21 nothing, it's hard to run the football because the clock keeps running and running. So I think that's a point where coaches get hurried and get frantic and want to throw the ball. But I think it's important to stick to your game plan as much as you can. But if certain things your game plan aren't working, that's when you make the adjustments. I, I completely agree with that. I agree with uh, the fact that sticking, like having a run game is definitely important no matter, like if you're in the first quarter, second quarter and you're down 14 I, I still believe it's important to keep that run game involved in the game not not going away from it and just sticking with uh throws although clock management is a big part of it i think that uh i think there's there does reach a point where you get away from the game plan if you're down 14 you're down 21 you've got to make a big play you've got to change something but it is definitely important to keep the run game as as an aspect of your game plan just to keep the defense ready, keep the defense uh, on its heels and not allowing for tougher throws and allowing your quarterback to make the easiest throws possible, have some open receivers. So it's definitely important to have a mix of both, but there does reach a certain point where you do have to uh, get away from the game plan and start throwing the ball and launching downfield a little more. And what is that point? Because oftentimes you see in the NFL where, you know, teams, you know, they, they fail to recognize this. Is this the third quarter? Is this halftime? Is this the first quarter? You know, when is it uh, critical that you have to determine your game plan? You can't continue running the ball. Uh, well, it really depends on how the game's going. If if the run game's not working, I think instantly you gotta you gotta change something. Get uh, get some play action going. Play action is big. Play action is probably the most crucial type of play in the game. It keeps the defense honest, but. Uh, I don't know. I find the third quarter is really when things start to change most times. Uh, the head coach makes adjustments at halftime, and but it is definitely important. Uh, I say if you're down, if you're down 14 in the first half, it's you've got to stick to your game plan. You're not. It's not over yet, but it really depends on the score, how the game's going, whether it's a high-scoring game, low-scoring game. It's a uh, it's a tough question because there's so many different different ways the game can flow. Yeah, diff- different variables. It's it's, it's very it's very hard to answer that question because every coach, every person can have a different perspective. It's all game dependent. 
who's the coach you're playing against, what kind of defense they play. Are they going to be aggressive? I think that all depends what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. It's all game dependent, situation dependent. It's all that thing. I think a big thing, if your run's not working, I think runs are the most important thing, keeps the defense honest. You have to get creative. You got to run jet sweeps. You got your receivers involved in the run game. So I think running game, you don't abandon the run until it's too, like third, fourth, late in the quarter, because if you can't run the football, they're going to drop, drop eight in the coverage every time. They're going to bring their safeties back. So I think if you can't run the football, you, you got to try to run the football as much as you can, because if you can't run the football, you're, you're screwed, in my opinion. No, it's, a, it's an interesting question for sure, because you see teams like the Bills, teams like the Chiefs, they don't have a good run game. They get away from it very often. They get up in the game. It's As much as the run game is important, you see these, these teams like the Packers as well. I mean, Aaron Jones did have a monster year, but the Packers are a pass-first team. Chiefs, definitely a pass-first team. I didn't see too much of any running back at all in the Super Bowl. They didn't win that Super Bowl, but throughout the season, they – they didn't utilize the running backs as, as a team should, but it proved like it proved everything wrong. The Bills, Josh Allen had a monster year. I think it's important if your running back game is working, if you have that quarterback available, get him going, get him running, get him rolling out, rolling out. If he sees something, if he sees space up the field, get him going up the field. You got to change something up at some point in the game, but it's a tough question because there's so many different games your personnel has a big thing to do with it if you have if you have the weapons if you have a guy like Tyree Kill you can change the game in half a second so I don't know it really depends on your personnel and the game script itself yeah I, I totally agree with that I want to go a bit sidetracked right here uh, Austin Matthews has two goals in Seattle centers in the 10 minutes of the first period so Willie not a generational talent uh, you want to we want, might want to revisit that opinion because he's single-handedly uh, dismantled the senators as we speak I, I hope he well first of all I have Austin Matthews on my fantasy team so <laughs> second of all I hope the auto centers lose every single game for the rest of the year I've seen what I've just seen I've my they're going to be Stanley Cup contenders in Del- three. hey Willie tell, tell me that McKinnon's better than Matthews for the about 100th time McKinnon is better than Matthews. It's not, it's not even close. I don't care. Matthews is so much better defensively and is a 10 times better goal scorer. Hey, hey I'm not going to have this argument against two Leafs fans who love Austin Matthews. No, he's, what, what, Willie's argument is uh, McKinnon's uh, gritty. But uh, I don't know. Every stat shows Matthews is better on defense. Matthews leading oh, the league in goals. No, oh, honestly, I'm very, I, I'm very interested to see Austin Matthews in a deep playoff run. I, I, I'm going to reserve judgment and I'm going to reserve all my statements until then, until I see him in the second and third round in the playoffs. And I'm going to see, does his style of play work? If it does, yeah, sure. You know, like generational talent. If he, if he wins the Stanley Cup, he goes to Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll say it. I'll say it on this podcast. But I yeah. guess he hasn't proven anything to me. He's scored a bunch of goals. He's a phenomenal player. I've seen phenomenal players. That's, that's fair. And, yeah, it's fair enough. Work this year. Who knows? You could see a Toronto-Colorado matchup in the uh, in the semifinals, which would be awesome to see McKinnon against Matthews. Here's a, here's a question for you. I know we're gonna get sidetracked before before I leave. Go do some taxes, but so Alexander Ovechkin won a cup in his late late in his career, his first cup. If he didn't win that cup, would you consider him still a generational talent? Yeah, my personal opinion is like Ovechkin was just so dominant. Just yeah. So absolutely and consistently dominant. Again, you know, Austin Matthews hasn't been in the league for that long. He hasn't consistently proven it. 
I don't know. It, I, it's a tough it's, question. It, it's something. And, and the thing about uh, Alexander Ovechkin is not necessarily win the Stanley Cup, but his team made deep playoffs run, and he brought yeah. his team to the playoffs several times. Again, I think it's it, if this if the Leafs make it to the third round this year, and 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 Matthews carries his organization, I will be comfortable saying that at this exact moment, I haven't seen enough. Very true. How much for you is would you consider Yermo Jagger a generational talent? I know I fucked up his name. Sorry. Yammer Sorry. Ya- Yammer Yager. Yammer Yager. What are we drinking? What are we drinking? Yeah, I would consider him. He's top like five in games plays, top five, like top ten in points of all time. Um, done it, done it every level of his hand. Had one of the longest career, I think the longest career, one of the longest careers in NHL history. So yeah, I, I would consider him a generational talent for sure. And Evgeny Malkin, is he a generational talent? Mm, I think he's in that next tier. I don't think he's a generational talent. I think because he, he's kind of in the shadow of Crosby, but I think he's like in that second tier. Oh uh, Yeah, I would have loved to see Malkin play on a team that he's not overshadowed by Crosby, but I do agree. I think he's the second tier, not quite a generational talent, but always been one of those top 10 guys in the league that they can always rely on to put up, I don't know, 80 points. <laughs> Brady Kachuk's a generation. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. Um, boys, are you, are you good to stick around? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I'll stick around. Um, you know, taxes, ta- taxes can wait. Um, hey, fuck taxes. We'll, we'll get going. All right, Willie. Bre- I'm going to start it. Breakout players. It's the easiest for me being a Dolphin fan. Tua Tagovailoa is going to break out this year. He's got weapons. Will Fuller. He has Mike Kosecki. We're going to get Kyle Pitts with Jamar Chase, hopefully. He's my breakout player. He's put yeah, on. I'm going to pause you right now. We got a Tua hater. I'm looking at Trevor's face right now. <laughs> Trevor's a Tua hater. I-, I can't wait till he proves everyone wrong. Spot on. Here's my thing. His first his first year was underwhelming. Yes. He also almost died a year ago. He almost never played football again. And he didn't have an offseason. A rookie QB with no offseason. Not being able to learn the playbook that long, not be able to build chemistry and getting thrown in the fire in his eight in, in a playoff run. I think he has the experience in a in playoff light games being down the stretch. Yes, he was terrible at game against Buffalo, but he's also put on 18 pounds of muscle this offseason. So he he he's in the weight room. He's working out with receivers every day. You got a downfield fan, Will Fuller, and you add Kyle Pitts. I I I think he's gonna take a big jump. I could be biased, but I've seen all I want with him at Alabama. You put weapons around him in the Dolphins' offense. That they build a direct offense for Tua. They brought in this QB coach from college to be his QB coach. They're they're all in Tua. If it blows up in their face, whatever, we'll draft a QB in a, in a year or two with their with their draft capital. They're set up in a good position, but they're all in Tua. I'll trust Brian Flores and Chris Greer because they haven't they haven't made me doubt them yet. Let's go. I love it. Tua, Tua for the dub. Who else do you guys have breakout playing in 2021, 2022 season? Well, my, my first one on the list here is uh, Max Crosby. I, I don't think Cleveland, oh. Cleveland Farrell was the guy at all. I think the Raiders completely wasted a pick on Farrell. He can be a serviceable defensive lineman. He can play inside and outside. But uh, I think getting Yannick and Gawkway, I think that uh, that gives Crosby a little more leverage, less double teams. They Teams are probably going to focus on Ngakwe. Crosby in his first two seasons put up 10 sacks, 7 sacks. I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy throw up 12 to 14 this year. I think I live with the Raiders fan. The guy's a beast. Max Crosby was the steal in the draft. I think he's going to have a huge season for the Raiders this year. Yeah, I I, back, I, I really like Max Crosby. He's a, he's a very good player. He plays the game right. He can get pressure. Another guy I have, he's a second-year cornerback. 
a third overall pick in Jeffrey Okadua. I think he's a very, very talented cornerback. It's very hard for first year cornerbacks to succeed. An example of this, I know it's a Dolphins example, but Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard put up an all pro season this fifth, sixth year and was terrible his first two years. It's so hard to learn this position. Okadua is a third overall pick for a reason. He's long. He's very good. He's very good with his hands. So I think he can be a breakout in that, that Lions defense with Dan Campbell. Yeah, I, I think he's a player who's going to accelerate that rebuild. I, I think he's a player who can be a stalwart in, the, in that defense. And I, I hope he breaks out. I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Buddha fan. Going through the draft process last year, I think I think he's a phenomenal player. Where you know he he's going to be against number ones for a long time. So he's going to be against uh, you know uh, Devonte Adams until the game where he can cover his Devonte Adams for a full four quarters. I think that's not until. Um, you know, he, he's going to be uh, an excellent player in the NFL, but I think that, that that's coming. It could be this year. Another guy I have, little Cowboys bias, but I think Keanu Neal. He's been overlooked in the past few years because of injuries. He tore his ACL, tore his Achilles, but I like what I saw from him last year. And clearly Dan Quinn liked what he saw from him last year. Dan Quinn with the Cowboys now, he caught his guy. He might be moving to uh, to linebacker, but – Neil played under Quinn in Seattle, where, uh, or Neil didn't play under Quinn in Seattle. He played under Quinn in Atlanta, but uh, Quinn was the guy in Seattle with the Legion of Boom. So we must see something Keanu Neal if he's bringing him to Dallas. I think he'll be an interesting guy to watch. He's a big hitter, big. He was a big safety, so uh, if he's playing linebacker this year, I think. I don't know how it'll turn out, but I I do really think he could have a breakout year. He's still only 25 years old. Was a Pro Bowler in his second year. Was a beast as a rookie, all rookie team. I think the guy could be a stud and really bolster that Cowboys defense and be that extra star they need. Yeah, I totally get that. I like Keanu Neal. He's a very, very good player. I'll go one more person before Willie. Another second-year player. He played good down the stretch. He had a rough start to his career, but that's Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is a player that can play all over the football field, can play linebacker, can play safety. Super, super talented prospect. One of the best college defenders I've seen. I've scouted in a long, long time. He can do it all. He succeeded at the, the end of last year, but I think he's going to transform that Arizona defense and he, he can play wherever, anywhere he wants. Yeah, all, all three of us have Isaiah Simmons on, on there. Uh, yeah, uh, let's go. I, I, I hope so. Like, he's a beast. He, he was probably my favorite player last year in last year's draft. Yeah, yeah he, he was really good down the stretch too, and he's going to be a big piece of that Atlanta or Arizona defense if they're, if they're going to contend in that uh, NFC West with Seattle, San Fran, and the Rams there. Four very good teams in that division, and he's gonna have to he's gonna have to step up if they want to compete for sure. Well, I think he's key, right? Like that—that's the hardest division in football, and they need that. Now they've—they've they've tried their best to uh, solidify that offense, and you know we'll see Kyler with another year of development. Um, but I think he is the key piece that can help them become the the, the number two seed in that division, because. You know, he, he, who do you have as the one seed? Hey. Uh, I I think the Rams, man. Like fucking, you're, you're yeah. like McVay with uh, arguably one of the top ten best QBs NFL in Stafford. Oh, I, I love Stafford. I, I, I some people, you know, you, you have saying Stafford's mediocre. Stafford's Terrible. Mediocre. I hate the Stafford hate. I don't understand Stafford hate. If, if you look at trucks and trailers, I view as Matt Stafford as a truck. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, can't say enough you know can't honestly unless an injury occurs I really can't he's one of the toughest guys in football for sure this guy's been injured all the time plays through it and 
I don't know, finally having like Sean McVay as your head coach, like that's that's huge. I think he's gonna develop like I think he's gonna be awesome. Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Like he had weapons in Detroit and he produced his yards are always there. He's never had well, he had a decent defense a while ago, but uh the Rams defense is probably the best defense he's had. Cam Akers a beast. I think Matt Stafford could be awesome this year. His wife's also very attractive. <laughs> that is crucial. Um, and you got any more books? Yeah, I I got one more. It's it's a bit out there. Uh, it's probably a dark horse. W- wouldn't be my number one, but I'm going Adam Trotman, uh, tight end. He's a second year player out of Dayton uh, for the New Orleans Saints. He didn't play a lot last year, but he had an 86.9 PFF run block- blocking grade, so that shows he's a very very good blocker. He's going to be successful in the NFL. He was a very good pass catcher in college. One of the best ca- pass catchers coming out of the draft at the tight end position. He's someone that can go up and high point the football. It's a great medium route runner. So I think he can help whoever the quarterback is of his Jameis, Taysom Hill, whoever, whoever, the, whoever that position is. But I like Adam Trotman as a prospect. I ho- hopefully take a big jump next year. Yeah. Oh, you go ahead, Jeff. No. Uh, you can go ahead, Willie. What do you have to say about that? I was going to ask you who your breakouts are, but... Uh... I, I like that. I, I think I, I, tight ends one of the positions where you, it's constant development and you're constantly looking out for players. Um, so, you know, I, 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 as, a, as a coach, if I can have a, a, a tight end that can block and then, you know, that, that catch balls, you said he's couch radius is uh, phenomenal. I actually haven't scouted that player. haven't haven't watched him too much. But if you say it, boys, hey, listen, to any of the listeners right now, boys is one of the best scouts you'll ever meet. So if you think the player's good, lock this guy up in fantasy football. I'm telling you, Adam Boyes, future general manager. If it was me, Antoine Winfield would have been a top 15 pick. So No listen really about anything about fantasy football. I failed the team for the playoffs, but uh, forgets that they're all hurt during the season. Everyone's settled then. Yeah, I, I got a couple. I, I got a couple uh, breakout players. I got, I got a decent list. Um. We'll start off. I think Tyus Bowser, edge rusher, Ravens. I think um, that that defensive line for the Ravens is getting pretty much needs a complete overhaul. Well, got, got a complete overhaul. Well, in the sense they lost Judon, um, so I'm excited to see his development. He was recently re-signed. I think he's a phenomenal player that I um, who who could potentially break out. I have Miles Sanders. Now, my Miles Sanders is a player who, you know. He went. Uh, uh, who was the guy? Coach Pete Peterson. Sorry, Doug Peterson. Doug yeah. Peterson. I'd watch the games, and I, my buddy Eric, uh, I'd, we'd often watch Eagles games, and they wouldn't feed it to him and fucking feed him the ball because every single time he does touch the ball, he does something electrifying. So, I like him a lot. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm gonna round off a couple of names real quick. I think Damian Harris. He's a, he's a running back from Alabama. He's had his first year. I don't know why he's had his first year. I picked him up in fantasy, hoping that he'd play. He started playing last year. I think he's about to have a huge year this year. So for fantasy football players, I know I know Patriots, uh, you, you don't really like their running back core um, because you never know what Belichick's going to do on a given night. But I really like Damian Harris. Antonio Gibson, he had that one game on, I think it was Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, where he just balled out. Like four touchdowns or something. <laughs> um, I think Quentin Williams – yeah, he kind of broke out last year. Yep. I think he's about to have a year where he becomes a household name. And uh, finally, Jerry Judy, a uh, guy who beat Mac Jones. I think you know he's gonna he's gonna continue to work. He 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 is a phenomenal player. Um, any any names that that tr- intrigued you guys of uh, all those names? I I love. I love okay uh, no I love Quentin Williams the fact that 
They were floating his name around in trade talks. The deadline last year was absurd. Quinn Williams is so good. He he demolishes the run game. He blows up the line of scrimmage. And Will, you're a hater of Robert Sala, but look what Quentin Williams is going to do in a Robert Sala scheme. I'm excited. I'm excited to see uh, Quentin Williams and Robert Sala. I'm very excited. I think he can be I, – I, the, the comparison coming out of college was uh, Darnold. So, so we'll in see. We're Darnold? In, yeah. We're in year three. Let's, uh, let's, let's pick up the pace. I'm, I'm very excited to see. Alabama that. DTs, man. They're so good. That's why Christian Barrymore is going to be a stud. <laughs> Um, any players that piqued your interest, Trev? I, I like Miles, Sa- Miles Sanders. I've seen a lot of him being a Cowboys fan. I think uh, I think they kind of got away with him in hopes that uh, Carson Wentz was going to turn it around last year and that uh, improve himself. But he's, uh, a running back is definitely key to the development of any quarterback and having uh, Jalen Hurts as their quarterback now. They, they need to establish the run game. Jalen Hurts very mobile. The, the run game is going to be huge in order – just to develop Jalen Hurts and allow him to get open receivers. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize uh, Sanders this year as it's definitely going to be a key role. It's probably a uh, a lost year for the Eagles, but I, I do believe that Miles Sanders will have a big year this year. So so question for you. So you just said it's a lost year for the Eagles. What do you do in the draft then? If, if, if you know your team is about to have a lost year, what position, position do you draft because it's a lost year? Uh, if it's a lost year, in my opinion, unless you have a glaring need at quarterback, which I believe the Eagles, they don't right now. They need, they're going to give Jalen Hurts a chance. I, I truly believe in best player available. If Kyle Pitts is there for them, Kyle Pitts is the guy. Not. <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, if it's a lost year, you need to get the guy who's going who's gonna to be a leader of your team, who's going to be that breakout player, who's going to be that star for your team. You can't be going for – a position of need if you're passing off on a, a potential generational talent like Kyle Pitts. This guy's the best tight end prospect we've ever, we've probably ever seen. And if he falls to them, I believe they're at they're at twelve. Oh, if, they're at twelve. They trade back. Kyle Pitts, Pitts. If Kyle no, Pitts falls to 12. twelve, I'll run naked. Something's wrong. I I forgot he was. I forgot they traded back to twelve. But uh, yeah, then I wouldn't be surprised to see them go for a guy like they do need a corner. I wouldn't be surprised if they go for a guy like J.C. Horn if uh, if the Cowboys takes their ten. Okay. So best player available. I, I, really, I think you're absolutely correct. Boyes, do you have? Do you have any oh, it, it's 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 got to be BPA for them. They don't have they have so many clearing needs. You can't really pick a positional player what fits your team the best. Go best position available. If that doesn't like, without a doubt, you're getting the best player, and you can always trade that if you don't like him, right? Like trade down or whatever. Just go BPA. Always it's always the safest pick in case you want to trade the guy later if he's not. A perfect scheme fit or whatever. Uh, so yeah, um, if you guys want to move on to a draft talk, uh, that's good with me. But if you guys have any, anything else to say about breakout players before we we get going, let's do it. Well, one thing for a fantasy football, uh, Antonio Gibson. He's been playing the Stop. wide receiver, sorry, the, the running back position for one year, maybe sorry, two years now. He's a wide receiver in uh, college. I, I watched him last year. I think he has potential being top five running back in the NFL. Stud. Um, I'm absolutely enormous, absolutely enamored with him. Um, yeah, there, there's that. So that backfield of Fitzmagic and Antonio Gibson is going to be lethal. <laughs> um, let's get into the draft talk. All right. So today we are taking on the offensive talk position. So like always, we'll just go over kind of our top five. Uh, maybe some sleepers and kind of just discuss the talk position. So I can start listing off my big board. Number one, it's it's pretty pretty obvious. I got Penny Sewell. Number two, we got Rashawn Slater. 
Number three, I have Christian Derisaw. Number four, a bit off the board. He might be lower on other people. I have Dylan Randunes out of North Dakota State. And number five, someone that's jumped up my draft board lately because I think Notre Dame tackles are always successful at the NFL level is Liam Eichenberg. He is going to be a player that's going to play that position for a long, long time. And he has guard flexibility as well. Uh, Trevor, do you have a list? Or we, uh, you want me to keep going about mine? So uh, I've got... Tennis, who will, I think that's uh, obvious. He took the year off last year, but he's the most complete tackle in the draft for sure. His pro day was incredible. He's such a big guy, and uh, his athleticism is something else. So uh, a team like the Bengals, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for him. Number two on my list, I've got Rashawn Slater. Uh, three, I actually have, I have uh, Christian Dar- Christian Darisaw. I believe uh, that's who you had, number three. Yep. Number four, I actually have uh, Samuel Comsey. I think I think he falls as far as 31. That's the floor for him. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he goes earlier. He ran a 481 at Texas's pro day. Showed off his athleticism, his size. I have him. I wouldn't even be surprised if he goes as the third tackle in the draft. I think he's going to be a beast. I see. Like he's the type of guy that a team will trade up for if if he's still around in the mid 20s. I I loved what I saw from him. Watched some tape and watched his pro day, and the guy looks like a monster. And number. Number five, I've got a toss-up between uh, Elijah Vera Tucker and Tevin Jenkins. It, it, it's funny that, that you talk about uh, Samuel Cosme like that because when I originally watched film, he was one of the most dominant offensive tackles that I've seen out of this class. Now, when you look in the public eye, you don't see his name being talked that much. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who was really high on my list, uh, but I, I dropped him off. Honestly, because, you know, I, I watched film on other guys and, and the public consensus was, you know, other guys were better. Um, Cosme is a guy who I think is a fucking monster. He, he's a big boy out of Texas. He's a guy who I think in the right system can be a pro bowler one day. Um, Absolutely. Chiefs at 31. That's where he's going to go. I'd love to I see like that. that. That'd, be, that'd be intense. That'd be intense. Um, am I good to get my list? Yeah, go for it. go for it. Yeah, so um, I have Penny Sewell. He's <laughs> I said this the other day uh, on the podcast. He's a guy who I, I literally watched. I think uh, three reps of him uh, at Oregon, and I was one of my favorite prospects of all time. He's just a hog mullet. He's an absolute <laughs> stud. Um, Rashawn Slater's a kid who I think whatever team is going to get him is it's not a sexy pick. It's not a pick where, you know, you, you're, 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 you're the Carolina Panthers and you're a Carolina Panthers fan. You're like, oh, I got Rashawn Slater. But I think in, in two to three years, you know, he's he's going to be able to anchor that line. Um, Samuel Cosme. I have uh, a tie here between Jalen Mayfield, Liam Eckenberg, and Dylan Randunes. Uh, I know Dylan Randunes is your guy, boy, so you can talk about him a little bit. And a guy who... Uh, I started pretty extensively because um, I, I watched a lot of film in Alabama's uh, offensive lineman is Alex Leatherwood. Now he's a guy who I'm very curious to see um, under a really good offensive, cor- uh, sorry, uh, offensive line coach, what he can do. However, I wasn't overly impressed with him in college. I think that there's, he's a lot of tools, a lot of skill set available. I think he could become a, a, a fantastic player. But I, I wouldn't feel comfortable drafting him ahead of any of the previous guys that I've mentioned. Well, yeah, well said with Leatherwood. He is 
so many intangibles. He's so raw, but honestly has honestly could be the, the most upside position in the draft because of his intangibles. But yeah, like you said, he had to make an offensive line coach in the second round, develop him for a year. I think that's something that could uh, like be pretty good. I can go about Dylan Randunes because uh, he's probably one of my favorite prospects in the draft. I really like his game. He's super, super big, and he's also super quick. He very rarely gets beat on the outside. Uh, I watched uh, a lot of the senior bowl and read into that about scouts and coaches. They were really impressed with his game, thought he was an NFL-ready tackle at his age. Yeah, he dominated his, dominated his senior bowl, was ranked, uh, voted the top offensive lineman of the week. So yeah, he's a prospect I really, really like. It's like he didn't have great competition at North Dakota State, but he, he dominated every snap when I watched him. I'm interested in your opinion on where, where do you guys think Penny Sewell goes? Because I, I think this guy could be could be a top tackle from day one. From day one. And I don't know if if you're a team like the Bengals who Joe Burrow got beat up last year. Every play, whether it was he got the pass off, he'd get beat up at the end of every single play. And as a young quarterback, a young like such a promising prospect, you just can't have that. Do you guys think Penny Sewell goes to the Bengals and they prioritize that over say a guy like Jamar Chase or a guy like Kyle Pitts or how far down do you think Sewell goes? He should be pick five. It shouldn't be a doubt. They need to protect Joe Burrow. I don't know if that's going to be the pick if something changes, but I think that should be a lock. You got to protect your franchise quarterback already towards ACL. Uh, they had Riley Reef and um, Jonah Williams, but Jonah Williams, I, I think he's a guard. So if you have Jonah Williams, Penny Sewell and Riley Reef, you now have one of a, you have a very good offensive line with those three pieces. So you got Penny Sewell, you vastly improve your offense. You can get some people in free agency, people later in the draft, like a, a Dwayne Eskridge, like a Elijah Moore, like people like that type of Joe Burrow, but you're not going to find a tackle like Sewell at that value in the second round. Yeah, boys, you're absolutely, you're, you're reading my mind today. Um, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think that it should be a lock. I think that if they select anyone else besides Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, I know there's talk about Rashawn Slater. Personally, I would do Penny Sewell. I think, he, I think he's a better prospect. But if you pencil on anyone uh, else besides for Penny Sewell at number five, I think it's a mistake. I, I think you hit the nail. I'm, I'm not going to reiterate what you said. I, th- I think you're hitting on the head. But, but if you're a team like the Bengals, do you, you, you're potentially passing up on a general ta- generational talent like Kyle Pitts, or you're passing up on Burroughs guy, Jamar Chase from college. Like, at what point do you go to Burrow and you you make the decision, Joe Burrow's decision? Because in the end, all these guys are on the offense. If Joe Burrow wants to be protected better, that's and he can take uh, they can take Sewell. But uh, if Joe Burrow really wants his guy in Jamar Chase, do you do you take Jamar Chase based off of Joe Burrow wanting him? Yeah, my my point on that is I've said this before is Russell Wilson couldn't get his guys. Russell Wilson he he, he requested a trade this summer because. Because he couldn't get his guys into his team, so I, I don't think Joe Burrow's a you know second year QB in the NFL. I don't think he has that type of uh, leeway in his organization where he can say, "Hey, pick this guy." I don't care what everyone else says. I think you have to do a smarter football organization. I also think you just said that passing up on generational talent and Chase and uh, Pitts. I think Penny Sewell is a generational talent at tackle. No, I, I agree 100. percent He's 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 a monster. He he skipped out on the year, but uh, what we saw from him as a junior, he was dominant no nobody really got by this guy but uh to your point of russell wilson I, like joe burrow was number one pick like that's that's their franchise you you think of the Bengals, you're thinking joe burrow this is the guy that they're building around that they that if their team's going to be successful it's gonna it's gonna rely on joe burrow so 
I don't know what there. There's got to be a point where they where Joe Burrow has a say in their pick. But I also agree that Sewell should go number five. But in the end, I'd I'd give the uh, I'd give Joe Burrow a big say in the decision. Yeah, I think that I think that's very true. Another thing, you look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't get one pass catcher ever taken in the draft, like because a QB and he's probably one of the best QBs of all time. And he was frustrated with the draft decision. It kind of shows that if Aaron Rodgers can't get a receiver taken in the first round, I don't know if Joe Burrow can. Another thing is what use is Joe Burrow if he's on the ground 80% of the game and injured because they can't protect him. If you put Penny Sewell in there, he's going to be a day one starter that allows Jonah Williams, who's raw and he's had injury problems. If you rely on Jonah Williams to be a franchise left tackle and he's continuously injured, his blind side is not going to be protected. And, that's a recipe for disaster if your rookie QB is on the floor and getting injured. So, I mean, Penny Swell should be the pick. If he's not the pick, I'll be kind of flustered because like, I want Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, the Dolphins, but it, it should be Penny Swell, and I don't think there should be a question for them. If I was in the Bengals organization right now, because th- this is another waste year uh, for that team, honestly, what I would do is I'd take a tackle at five, and then I'd circle back and take a tackle in their second round, or I'd move up and trade for Samuel Cosme back in the first round. I think that they have to show up their off- that offensive line. Listen, that's a really, really talented conference. Now, you have to be superior at other teams in certain positions. And if you can be better than, than the Ravens, than the Steelers, and the Browns at, 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 um, at their offensive line, you know, you, you have a distinct competitive advantage over other organizations. I think they need to focus on that aspect heading to this draft. I've, absolutely. I've seen lots of mock drafts that have Pitts or Jamar Chase going, but uh, they have the receivers. Like T. Higgins, that's a young guy. That's a young stud. He's going to be awesome. Tyler Boyd, he's proved that, like, he was overshadowed a little bit at first by A.J. Green, but he's proved to put up number one receiver uh, stats. So Joe Burrow definitely has the weapons. Joe Mixon in the backfield, monster. I think Sewell also helps Joe Mixon. I think that's definitely the best pick, but it'll be interesting to see where they go. Yeah, I'm interested to see what – I hope Joe Mixon gets it done this year. I, I really do. In terms of fantasy, in terms of just, you know, there's been a lot of hype around that kid. He got, he got his paycheck. So anything else, boys? Uh, I think that, that sums it up for me um, for the tackles. Let, 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 I just want to go over to two, two more players. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rashawn Slater, I, I, I already talked about him. Um, Christian Darisol is another phenomenal player. Uh, I think can play both guard and tackle. Elijah Barry Tucker, exceptional player. I think whatever team drafts Elijah Barry Tucker is going to be extremely happy by his services. Um, and another player that, that wasn't mentioned sorry, by me is Tevin Jenkins, who I don't know why he's not on my list, but I think he's an absolute hog mauler. Um, it's it, it's it's interesting draft here. Like you hear uh, Daniel Jeremiah talk about it, and I, I think he's absolutely right. Um, the difference between the from the third to the fourth offensive tackle in this draft class is not too much. Like yeah. If I got Garrison, if I got Costner, if I got Jenkins, or if I got Mayfield, I don't think that there's that big of a difference. So because of that depth, you can kind of be a little bit creative in how how you want to structure your draft. Um, so some teams that are smart, you know, they, they can really look out. I've got one more question for you, boys. What What are your thoughts on uh, that Alabama lineman, Deont- Deontay Brown, the absolute <laughs> monster? This guy, I don't watch this guy. It looks like he's about four hundred pounds, but uh, he, he's huge. What are your thoughts on him? Like, do you think he Do you think he can be good in the NFL, or do you think he's just going to be injured off the bat? 
I don't think he can be good. Uh, I think he's going to be good in pass protection, but he won't be able to do anything in the run game because he won't be able to have the speed and quickness to keep up with people and pull. Like A lot of the NFL is pulling blocks. It's not that much in college, but a lot of offensive corners love their guards to pull and get out in space, and Deontay Brown can't do that. I think he'll be an anchor in the pass game, but he'll be non-existent in the run game. Sorry. Uh, give me two minutes. I thought you were talking about Evan Neal. I my, my apologies. I I thought you were talking about Evan Neal. Evan Neal is the right tackle currently on Alabama. That kid is a big boy. Um, I I Deontay Brown's currently is he the left guard? Yeah, I I believe so. I believe I saw something that he didn't allow a sack in his four years at Alabama. Yeah, he. Like I, I, I know it's college football. I, I personally don't think it'll translate to the NFL. He's gonna be like, I've seen fourth round pick potentially, but uh, I don't know. This guy's, this guy's huge. If he's in the interior, there's, there's a chance he can do something. Yeah. How important is because I know I know the saying "iron sharpens iron" is uh, is big in recruiting. Um, you know, I, I know Nick Saban talks about this a lot. How important is an offensive lineman? Uh, when discussing which college he went to in the draft, I, I I don't I don't really like taking colleges into perspective. I think the only thing is when you go to an Alabama, you're gonna have a more NFL level playbook. Like Steve Sarkeesian, who uh, is a, the head coach of Texas now, but he had an NFL caliber playbook. Um, a lot of people like Mac Jones. Najee Harris said their playbook was very similar to what the Dolphins ran at the Senior Bowl. So it's a very NFL complex playbook. So you get probably more high-level coaching. But I don't think like the play level, just because you played at a certain college, you shouldn't really translate that. I think it's all just skill and tape. I don't really care what competition you're really going up against myself. Oh, I, absolutely. I agree with that. I think college football is very interesting just based on the fact that a team like Alabama, they're, they're known as the best team in the country consistently. But at what point is it where, okay, so these guys have all the best guys. It's like, okay, so is this running back actually good? Is this quarterback actually very solid? Or is this guy just getting protected and has all the, all the weapons available to him? Like, at what point is it where the weapons overplay how good a player actually is? It's a good question. It's a good question. I think several evaluators are turning, currently trying to figure out, especially when you look at Mac Jones, right? So, uh, dope, dope. Is there, uh, is there anything else, boys? We're- no, I think, uh, I think that kind of that wraps it all up. I, I got a two minute warning. I uh, put it together last minute, but we're going, we're going a bit of the NFL route. Uh, Trevor, I'm not sure if you've been a part of a two minute warning, but it's basically just a trivia question. I'm going to ask a trivia question, and it's going to be you or Willie. Uh, whoever answered it first uh, takes takes the dub. Uh, Absolutely, so, I'm ready to go. All right, without further ado, it's the NFL trivia. So, which team has the most wins all time? Like, Pittsburgh. like all? Uh, nope. Dallas Cowboys. Nope. New England Patriots. Uh, no. It's, it's <laughs> all the team. They're in the NFC. I'll give you that. Huh. Uh, would it be the San Francisco 49ers? It is not. Uh, I'll give you. Uh, they are in the Packers division. The Bears. 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I, ta- I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I yeah, guessed. I, I, they just they've been around the first NFL season in 1920. So, <laughs> and 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 plus, like when you have Andy Dalton, I'm sure I'm sure that'll increase their wins. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. he's he's an elite quarterback. Or big dick neck. <laughs> Anyways, I, I just want to say one more time, uh, thank you, thank you, Trav, for uh, for coming and joining the show. Really appreciate you, buddy. You're uh, fucking one of my best buds. So much appreciated. Uh, I hope our listeners, you know, enjoyed this. Thanks for having me, boys. I'd definitely be, be glad to be back. I have the opportunity if uh, if the listeners enjoyed me. Uh, leave a comment. <laughs> Leave a comment, post. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to be doing some more things with their Instagram. We'll have a, we'll have a giveaway launching soon. So stay tuned to our Instagram. I didn't shout out the start, but I want to thank you, our sponsor, Hickory Dickory Decks, Burlington, Dundas, and Milton. Built phenomenal decks. Hickory Dickory Decks, Trevor. Best decks I've ever <laughs> I'm telling you, really good wood. They do a fantastic job. Hickory Dickory Decks. Check them out. Yeah, so I... That's all the time we have today. Thanks again, Trev, for joining us. But everyone, have a good night. Uh, take it easy. Cheers. But I'm not finished. Because you're not by my side. And as I arrived, I thought I saw you leaving. Carrying your shoes. Decided that once again I was just dreaming. I'm open into you. Now it's three in the morning.